Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 59 with John Hill on rare fish, spot burning, and earning your catch. Ah. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) And we're back. After after the last session. Yes. <laughs> so this one should be more relaxed. We yep. just talk about uh talk about fishing. Yep. Instead of, That's <laughs> instead easy. of rods. Right. Um so I guess a, just a little bit of a background. Um you and I met over a a trip uh, essentially that you took. Um back what what year did you take that trip? Man, I think it was two thousand eleven. That sounds that sounds right. Ra- that sounds familiar from and I wrote a blog for Orvis. I think that's where you read it, right? Yeah. 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 So um, I don't remember what episode it was. I'll have to go back and look. But at some point in the first 15 to 20 episodes, I talked with my friend Allie um, about our trip to look for golden trout in Colorado. And I'm sure at some point during that, we mentioned that the reason that I was inspired to go try to find some is that I came across your article in Orvis where you talked about uh, going to find golden trout. It wasn't just the golden trout. It was it was also the fact that it was kind of a... an intriguing situation, I right. guess. Yep. It, it wasn't just CPW came in last year and dumped <laughs> yes. a truckload of golden trout and then I want to go catch one. <laughs> right. Um, it was that they had been stocked, was it decades ago? Yes. Like a long time ago. Yep. Um, and you were going to find out if that like remnant population had still was still lingering up there. Yeah, because I had heard rumors, you know, first came out to Colorado and, and started fly fishing. I heard rumors of golden trout. And I'm like, what are these golden trout, you know? And you look it up and it's like, oh, it's California state fish and blah, blah, blah. And then you come to the point where they had a surplus of eggs in California and gave them to Wyoming and Colorado for a number of years, probably a couple decades. Um, And the last time they had stocked them was, I think, 1988, maybe 1990 is the last stocking in Colorado. At the time. At the time, yeah. The time. Now, there's, yeah. now there's been more. But. Yeah, at the time. And um, whereas Wyoming, they're growing, they grow like crazy way back up there. And like, it takes like 20 miles to get some of these places. But they were still up in Wyoming. So we had heard rumors that there was a couple spots in Colorado that might still have, you know, naturally reproducing uh, golden trout. So we started doing our research or trying to research. There's not much out there. And this was 2000. Well, I started probably looking into it in like 2008, maybe 2007. Um, 
And then we ended up picking a spot that we hoped, you know, had golden trout in 2011, uh, mid-summer is when we went and tried to find them. Now, uh, quick sidebar here. Do you know why they have historically been really successful in Wyoming and just in Colorado they've struggled? I'm not sure. I think maybe some of the lakes they put them in in Wyoming were more suitable for naturally reproducing. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But I guess yeah, that's throughout what kind of confused me. Yeah, throughout the years, you, you see pictures from people in Wyoming way back in the backcountry. It's like they grow bigger there than they do in California. It's like Wyoming is almost the – I mean, I, I would rather catch one in California oh, than Wyoming sure. just because it's, you know, the, their native yeah. range. But if you're trying to catch like a quote-unquote trophy, right. golden trout, like Wyoming's the place to do it. Yeah, it's because not where California. they are in California, they're super, super small streams. So they do not get very large. But the spots, for whatever reason, in Wyoming, you know, the plant life – the location of the lake, I'm not really sure. Yeah, they I'm just s- grow them very large for sure. Yeah, I just don't like I haven't I haven't been to the Wind Rivers before. I, it's it's on my list, but I just I just wonder what makes it so different than Colorado. Yeah. Um apart from maybe the pressure, but I I mean, I feel like a lot of trout do just fine here despite yeah. pressure. I mean, people still aren't willing to hike even 5 miles in, you know, compared to someone who can pull up drive drive off the road into a pull-off and go fish like right. five miles back is going to be a decent amount of protection from yeah from pressure so yeah. i don't know so when we went and we actually did find them luckily in 2011 and then you know so that had been decades since they were stocked and we we caught fish in the six inch range and uh, my buddy caught a 16 inch so they were definitely naturally reproducing and we get back and i think like a month or two after we got back, I read an article that California had a surplus of golden trout eggs the first time in decades, and Colorado started stocking them again in 2011 in areas in Colorado, which is great. Um, I mean, it's people go hunt them now, you know, go try to find them now, hunt them down. Um, but when we when we found them. You know, there was no information, and now there's a ton more information, which is good. You know, it gets yeah. people out there. And I have to say, like, like I said before, like, I I feel like it could be easier nowadays to find some. But I feel like where you found them and where I subsequently found them in the same spot, that it just felt different. Right. Because you could tell it was just this, like, lingering population that only a select handful of people have are even aware of, right. let alone have made the effort to try to get to it because yeah. it was not – very accessible spot. No, it was um, a big pain, that's for sure. And, I mean, I've heard that they've put them in, like, I think Dillon. There's, some there's a in, whole bunch well, around. Well, if you but... know anything, the Denver area, they stocked them in Chatfield Reservoir. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Which so, doesn't seem like a very... No, but a friend um, of mine actually caught one years after they first stocked it in Chatfield. Really? Caught a golden trout in Chatfield. See, that would almost be... Just as fun right. in a different kind yeah. of way. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what are the odds that this thing survived? Exactly. But again, it's just like if they're not doing well in the alpine lakes where they've thrived in, like, for example, Wyoming. Yeah. Or the tiny mountain streams like California. What makes them think they're going to do well in Chatfield <laughs> Reservoir know. in downtown so Denver? Strange. But, it's so strange. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, you know, it's the uniqueness of it. The adventure of it. And mo- mostly it was the adventure, honestly. I mean, like, it was... I wouldn't have been as enticed to go if i found out that it was like a three mile hike and on a trail and it went straight to the lake right it's just not the same yeah and you know people don't understand like i'll post pictures on you know on the internets and people where is this where is this and they don't understand that there's over three thousand high alpine lakes in colorado over three thousand what are they you know how many of those i don't know but how many of those are stocked with different trout grayling uh, golden tiger trout. It's all about the adventure and hunting it down. Do you really want somebody just to tell you where to go? Well, that was kind of a an interesting situation too because when I I read your article and I was like, this sounds awesome. Uh, like the adventure sounds cool. You had really uh, exciting pictures yep. and you talked about just how grueling it was and stuff. And I remember looking at the comment section and it was just people being like, where is this? Yeah. And I was like, well, obviously this is not the way to get the information because he's not going to share. But I was like, I'm going to send him an email. And see if he's willing well, to... Well, you had already done some research, too. So it wasn't I had looked, like... I kind of like looked into it, but I figured at least sending you an email would be... Um, like, I, I didn't want to just ask, where is this? Right, you know. Right. So I think I said something along the lines of, like, I just I read your article. 
Like it was really inspiring. Like I, I don't know if you're like willing to share this location, but you know, if not, I'd love to just like connect or right. what. I don't remember what yeah. it said, but um, I remember you just said, "Thanks for not just commenting on the." Article. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's fine. People want to give out spots and stuff, but other people don't quite understand. Like I've been in Colorado for almost twenty years, and it's grown crazy in 20 years like i'm a transplant just like everybody else so i don't mind people coming here but everything is getting so crowded and and and, and yeah online people get mad if you don't say where it is i've noticed that too as though they're like entitled to it and and again there's over three thousand lakes in colorado high alpine lakes pick one (laughs) do your own adventure that's the part of the fun for me is that is the planning and planning and trying to do your research just don't ask where this is but you can there's plenty of stuff online where they sell where where, what they stocked where they stocked it you know the colorado department um, of wildlife and stuff and and do your research it's more fun that way instead of just being told where to go well you you didn't tell me right you were like i'm not gonna (laughs) tell you uh but here i i think you said basically like i don't want to tell you but i appreciate that you actually reached out personally and like talk to me so like if you're looking for some cool places to go like here's some other spots that you might want to check out if, if you haven't been to them right yet. yeah and i think we talked for a while and i was like well i'm still gonna be looking for this right spot. <laughs> it's more uh, fun like looking for it yourself you yeah know? and so there was there was a lot of just like internet scouring and um I think there were some books involved. I didn't actually have the physical books, but I had like access to previews online. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I could, I could kind of like search previews and I eventually got, I I found, I don't remember what it was, but I found something that was like a lead. Like I had a a name of a place Right. and I was like, okay, here we go. So, um, I remember looking it up and I don't even think it was listed on like Google maps. Like that I, it was like maybe context clues and I matched up some like pictures online and I was like, I think this might be like what I'm looking for, but I don't know. Um, so then we went out kind of, I mean, it was honestly, I don't want to say a wild goose chase as though it was just random, but I told Allie when we started, I was like, we might be hiking 20 miles and not catch a single fish. <laughs> right, like, right. I just want you to be aware of this before we start. Cause I, I don't want you to be upset. Like I'm guaranteeing anything. Uh, and so we went up and it was, it was kind of interesting because a lot of the time when you're hiking somewhere, you know, what is at the end? Yeah. You're like, you know, I've seen, trip reports on this it's listed on colorado's website and all this stuff and you, you might get there and it's winter killed or something but for the most part you know what's going to be there and we were kind of like i guess you know in a couple of days when we arrive we'll find out yeah. if this is what we think it might be and um we got up there and it you know it worked out we, yeah. we found them and i remember coming back and being like is this the spot yeah you know, I, yeah that was I, after I went, yeah yeah and uh, it turned out we had gone from different directions, which was kind of fun too mm-hmm. to find out that um, we had planned it differently. Yep. Like I, we had both looked at the same spot and then assessed what's the best way to get up there. Yep. Um, I don't know how yours went. Ours <laughs> was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, ours was brutal as well, for sure, for sure. But you know, the, that's that's the point. There's so many different ways to get into anything, you know, and there's so many places out there. And we've hiked to places that were barren, that were dead. You know, you know, 20 years ago there was fish and we hike, you know, eight hours and it's nothing. You know, we took a trip um, one year and it was up this valley, 13 miles one way. Um, we hiked all the way up there and it was winter killed, you know, and all the fish were dead. And there was supposed to be grayling and they were grayling, but they were dead. So luckily we had a backup plan. But yeah, you hike a whole day to find out that the fish died over the winter because there wasn't enough sunlight getting to the water, you know, to the, the, the plant life in the lake. And so that's kind of the price you pay for doing what we do. Um, but it's the adventure and it's so much fun. I mean, the hiking away from the crowds, you get up above tree line and I don't know about you, but I feel very small. Yeah. You and just you feel look- like no one's been there, but I mean, I'm sure I mean, people obviously have, but you yep. feel like, no one could possibly know where you are right now. You know, right. You're just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you don't see many people. Or you might see some hikers, maybe doing some 14ers or 13ers. But especially if you go off trail. Oh, as soon uh, yeah. as you leave a trail, yeah. it really feels like you're like no one could find you if they no wanted to. One. I mean, maybe some miners back in the day were up in that drainage. But, I mean, you, feel, you look at the Rocky Mountains and the cliffs and just everything. You feel so small and so... I don't know. It's just so cool. The fact that you 
put one foot in front of another with 50 pounds on your back (laughs) for eight hours or however long. And you got to this pristine area that's all yours for like two days, three days, however long you want to stay up there. Right. And I feel like that's not, and most of the trails I do, I just take a trail straight to a lake or something. Right. Um, and most of the time there's fish there because yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've looked it up and it hasn't winter killed or anything, but there is something different that I particularly enjoy when you leave a trail and you find your own way up somewhere and you know that the odds of you seeing someone up there are next to none. But if you do, you're instantly going to be friends with them. Right. Because you're, yes. you're like, anyone yes. I meet up here is going to be awesome. Yeah. Because anybody <laughs> that knows that does things like that. It's just a, it's a passion that, you know, we share, you know, it's just the joy of being up there. Like some people are way more hardcore than I am. Like they'll hike up and over peaks and like crazy craziness. But there's been so many times where we've gone off trail and it's very difficult. Like you have that pack on with 50 pounds and you're hiking over deadfall or, you know, willows, you're trying to get through willows. And we took a trip last year that was so brutal yeah you seem to do you think that this one was harder than the what the original one, the one i took last year the the one you took last year how did that compare to, to the one the we're talking tri- about um it was twice as hard really twice as hard because i think i think the original trip for me was probably the hardest hike i've done yeah except for maybe like a, a one of the longer 14ers like right. like long's peak but that's because i did that all in one day trying to get down before noon yeah whereas the golden trout was spread out over two days. So, right. you know, but all things considered the hike itself, I think it was harder. Yeah. We, last year we took a trip to a lake that was very remote. Didn't have a trail to it at all. Um, I think the GPS tracked us at like 10 miles one way. And all, it was all off trail or did you get to start off. on a trail? Well, I'm sorry. There was parts of trails throughout this hike. Um, I think back ages ago, there was a trail and it's been so overgrown and there, it was a burn area. So there was a fire that went through and there was thousands of trees down and we had to hike up and over, you know, thousands of trees, hundreds, hundreds of trees. I've hunted like roughly in the area you're talking about and we left because the deadfall was insane. It was just insane. too much. Yeah. I broke two trekking poles that trip. <laughs> like I fell two different occasions. I fell and tried to like stop myself and broke two trekking poles, one on the way up and one on the way out. And then there's pictures of my friends that like just tripped and fell because, you know, you get your foot stuck in between two down trees and it was brutal. It was brutal. But, and the fishing was brutal. Yeah. I remember you coming back and being like, it was, we saw some, we saw monsters, big cutthroat trout and there was golden trout in the lake. Nobody caught any of the golden trout. Um, there was big cutthroat trout and it took me three days. It was the last, we were leaving the next morning and it was like 6.30 at night. I think my other buddies were at camp. And I was like, I'm going to try one more time. And I caught a massive cutthroat like at the very end of the trip. But it was three days of rain and sun and then more rain and walking around this and casting and casting and getting denied and denied for three days after this huge hike um, and then finally caught one. Looking so, uh, back. Do you have any insight on why the fishing was so terrible? Like why they weren't eat- like, do you think that you didn't have a fly to mimic what they were eating? Were they just kind of not really eating much? What was the problem? That's the thing. You can hit lakes and you can have like a hundred fish a day because these lakes, how many months out of the year are they frozen? You know, they're not eating for They've got a small window of time to six, eight months of being frozen. And during the summer, they have, you know, three to four or five months where they're eating and there's no ice. So sometimes you go to a lake and you're catching them on anything left and right. Other times you go to a lake and you don't catch anything because there might be scuds like a certain size and a certain color of a scud that's in that lake, that that's all they eat. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to throw scuds. You don't have the right size. Or you're trying to throw, you know, hoppers or this or that. And you just go through your whole fly box and you might get lucky and catch one, you know, after, you know, 16 hours of hiking round trip, <laughs> you know, you'll catch one fish, you know, but um, it's so hard to say why. I mean, this particular lake, I think, out in the middle, I think it was a little deeper, and there was a channel that went through the inlet stream to the outlet stream and meandered. 
through the lake. And I think out in the middle, you know, it was probably deeper. Maybe they just didn't care to come to shore. They just hang out there. Um, it was just very difficult. Do you think that you could have been better prepared by taking a wider, like, do you think in general taking a wider selection of flies can kind of solve this problem? Or do you think that there comes a point where there's almost nothing, nothing you can do? Um, so we should call my buddy Tommy up. Tom brings about five fly boxes, <laughs> backpacks in five boxes, almost every one of these trips. And he goes through every single fly he has. So I don't think we could be more prepared. Um, Meanwhile, I'm showing up with like a hundred parachute atoms and right. I'm like, like one oh, of these will work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, like, and I'm the, I'm the guy who will tie two flies on and fish that all day. Like, I hate changing flies. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put two on. And, you know, if they're hitting on hoppers, I'll put a hopper on. Um, but I just think changing depth and changing, like retrieving a, a streamer, you know, changing up faster, slower. I'll change up depth and I'll change up retrieve more than I'll change a fly. Yeah. And that seems to work for me. I agree with you in that I feel like I associate Alpine Lakes with either being the most fish I've ever caught in a day yep. or – just getting skunked yep. and i feel like streams and rivers tend to be pretty just like consistent but I'm, i'll never have a day on a river that's as good as a day i've had on a backcountry right. lake yeah um but i also will generally catch at least a handful of fish on a stream or river when i go out and i don't know what it is because it doesn't seem to be related to necessarily how pressured they are um like i've got some friends who went up into rocky mountain national park and I think they were going to like the most remote lake in the park. I think it's called Adams Lake. Mm, um, and I want to say they got there and it, it was like 12 miles one way. And so in your mind, you're like, these fish never get fished for. They're just going to take anything. And I think they like either didn't catch anything or caught right. like one or two. And then you, you hike like two miles into some lake and just <laughs> like slay every fish in there. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, you'd think that the fish that never get fished for would just eat anything. Um, and the fish that get fished for a lot would be really picky yeah. and it, it it doesn't seem to follow a pattern and it doesn't it doesn't I don't if know. you figure it out let me know <laughs> if anybody <laughs> figures it out let me know because it's very difficult and it also depends on spawning you know because they only have four months to spawn so sometimes they're just chasing each other around you know if they're and they're not interested in anything you throw and you don't know they could spawn you know the whole summer on and off so yeah it's it's very hard to figure out you just gotta come prepared you know, have the right clothing, have the right shelters, have the right, every, you know, because you never know what kind of weather you're going to get up there um, and just be prepared, you know, be prepared to fish all day and not catch anything. Can't <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait. Yeah. Do you tend to bring waders on these trips? I used to hike in, in a pack. I would bring waders sometimes. Um, now I have found that I don't need them. Um because you just get in the water in whatever you're wearing or you try not to really wait? Well, but I'll, I'll bring some wading shoes. There's some nice uh, wading shoes that I have. Um, oh, there's those kayaking ones that you talked about? Yeah, Astral Footwear. They make these kayaking shoes that are great and they're lightweight um, and they're made to be, you know, in the water. So I'll bring those up and if I'm getting in the water. But a lot of these high alpine lakes, you can fish around shore, and there's a lot of areas where it just drops off and you can't wade in it anyway. Yeah. So I've found, you know, kind of perfecting a roll cast, sidearm cast to get it out farther, using sinking line if you need to, um, using heavier flies if you need to to get them lower. So I kind of concentrate on that aspect of it more than trying to get out because there are lakes that have like a shallow area a shelf. And then with a shelf but still those there's still boulders in there so just you know trying to wade through that is quite difficult sometimes so i just don't bother with the waders plus it's extra weight you know we're already carrying tent and food and yeah you know i'll hike in some steaks <laughs> you know so <laughs> i already Priorities. Have, yes <laughs> beer whiskey and steaks for the first night so see i tried the beer out and uh, save the weight on whiskey. Yeah. Well, I, I take whiskey. I save the beer, but bring the waiters. But the the thing that I've noticed has helped the most is I ditch the waiting boots because mm. the waiting boots weigh so much more than yeah, that's true. everything else. And I just wear the Tevas and yeah. put them over the, over the, the waiters, yep. which, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's helped a lot. And I like waiting out on those shelves. Yeah. Like, that's my first instinct is to wait out on the shelf and just cast straight out from there, assuming the fish are just going to be cruising that, that shelf line. Yeah. I mean, you get to some lakes that, 
the shelf is the whole way around it. Like you can't. True. And like the fish might be on the shelf too, but I feel like uh, I can usually find out if there is a shelf on like Google Earth before I go. True. Yeah. And kind of yep. plan around. It. It's like okay, no shelf there. I probably won't take waders. Yeah. But the internet a shelf, is definitely helpful for that. Yeah. Yeah, you can usually see it yep. pretty easily. Um, I like taking a belly boat too, but that's not really an option if you're trying to stay overnight. Right. Um, I don't know if you are aware of any belly boats that you can. Because I think I've heard of some people who are trying to make like lightweight ones, really, yeah. really lightweight ones. My but. buddy Sean has one, and I can't remember the company that makes it, but it's smaller, but it's still a pain. You still have to, you still have to pack in flippers. You yeah. got to pack in the thing to blow it up. You know, oh, that, I just blow it up by mouth. Yeah, and you know he he hiked in you know a pump oh. and everything. Okay. You know, so like I would say the first handful of years that I backpacked, I did you know every other trip I'd bring in waders, and then I just figured out. You walk around that lake, you're going to find something else that you don't need to wade. Yeah, so for the most part, For yeah. me, it's like I would uh, – I just don't – I ditch the weight and, you know, just try to walk around more to find them, you know. If the wind picks up, um, usually the fish are at the, you know, tail end of the lake if the wind's pushing down the lake because it'll kick up all, you know, all the oxygen. It'll kick up all the bugs, you know. So when it's windy, you go to that side, you know, that side of the lake. You know, so there's some things you pick up that – you know, I just don't, I just tend not to do the waders anymore. And in fact, I might wear my waders once or maybe twice a year. Like it'll be March and I'll wet wade <laughs> a river, February, it'll, I'll wet wade, like I'll wet wade whenever I can. Like yeah. just forget the waders, you know? I, I feel like people have uh, kind of adopted waders as like the unofficial uniform of fly fishing. Yeah. Like if you're fly yeah. fishing, you should be wearing waders. I'm like, yeah. if you're sweating in them you should probably consider just taking them yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you get your feet. I grew up in the country outside of Buffalo, New York, and we had a creek running through our backyard. So I was always in that creek. I never, I didn't fish back then, but, you know, we'd have our creek shoes and put our creek shoes on and then you just go wandering in the water and just in the woods. So, yeah, getting my feet wet is, you know, comes natural. <laughs> it feels better. Yeah. To fish just in your in your boots. Yeah, yeah. You feel it more, you know, and then, you know, the sun gets warm, so you get out if your feet are cold. Let them warm up a little bit, and then go back in. <laughs> you know, I recently got the. Um, we talked about this when we fished the other day, but those uh, like neoprene, just the booty oh, part. Oh yeah, the boot. Yeah. And uh, oh man, that was such a a game changer. Yeah. Because I was like, well, it's just there. Like the, you get the gravel guard, so it keeps the stuff from going on your boot, which I don't really care about that much. Yeah. And so I would generally just wear. Like sand, like the Tevas. Yeah. And my feet would freeze. And I got I got those because um, they, they were not that expensive. So I was like, I'll, I'll get the uh, little booties that you put in your boots. And it it turned my world right. around. Yeah. Because the, the water that goes in there, like, warms up with your feet the same way if you've got, like, leaky waders. Yep. You're, not, you're only cold for a minute or two yep, before you warm exactly. up. Exactly. Um, and I can't believe I didn't buy a pair of those sooner. <laughs> sooner because yep. now it's like, I feel like the temperature range that I can wet weight in now has expanded like three times over. Yep. Those um, are definitely a good call. Like I just use like the smart wool socks and they seem to work for me, you mm -hmm. know, fine too. But the, the, those that you have are, yeah, they're just great. So, something other than bare skin in the water. Yep. Cause that, it just drains your, your temperature yeah, so fast. And it, it makes it miserable. You start not being able to feel your toes, yeah. you know. I mean, I've been there for sure. I've, I've definitely had times in belly boats where I had, like, I remember, distinctly remember I was fishing for tiger trout um, in a belly boat, and I had a leaky wader leg. And the, the wow. waders were just filling up as I was sitting in the boat, but I was like, oh, I'm not going to go the whole way over to shore and empty these out. But after a while, I was like, I feel like I'm sitting in a bathtub. Right, I know. It gets just warm. You're like, whatever. But without those, I would have been freezing. Oh, you're going to crack another one? Yep. Oh, you got to crack it by the... Another beer. Oh, okay. Here you go. <laughs> ah, there you Perfect. go. Perfect. <laughs> another beer. More stories. Um, but yeah, I remember you saying that that, that second trip you took was kind of dismal. But but that guy that we kind of like mutually know from online, you said had a great, great trip there and caught yeah. like a bunch of big goldens. And My buddy Patrick has been there like three times. Shout out to Patrick, Patrick. who we both know virtually. From yes, <laughs> yes. Actually, so this is crazy. I took a trip a few years ago. And Patrick had emailed me a couple times here and there through Reddit, um, the fly fishing uh, subreddit. And I took a trip a few years ago. We camped at one lake and hiked to two different lakes. And, and you say we, you don't mean you and Patrick. You, no, no. You, yeah, you me and, and your group or whatever. Me and my buddy Tom and Sean. We went to this lake and we were fishing and started talking to the guy. And he was like, John? And, I was, and it was Patrick. <laughs> and so it was crazy. Like, we never talked about this lake or meeting up or anything. And just, you know, eight miles in, you just meet a guy, you know. So, yeah, shout out to Patrick for uh, 
hitting that lake up last year, the most difficult hike in the world. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize, I mean, I don't know him, but he had messaged me back when I shared that golden trout, um, I don't know, like a blog post or whatever. Yeah. And I brought him up the other day at the brewery, and you're like, oh, Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick. like, yep, same guy. I mean, there's a lot of us that, you know, interact with each other and tell stories and we'll give hints to like, you know, where things are, help each other figure out where things are. Well, it's kind of like a little community. You're a lot more inclined to give someone information when you know, A, they're not going to share it, and B, they might share some information with you. Like yeah. like you said, it's like the whole fun is finding your own spots and researching that and stuff. But, you know, I'm also I'm also much more welcoming to somebody who I can tell is in the same mindset. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I've got some information. you got some information. We're obviously not going to just like blast out to the world in a forum, which right. is just like the most egregious of the, yeah. <laughs> of the crimes. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but it's like, I'm not going to tell you. I put work in, not only physical work, you know, I put time and energy in trying to find these places, right. you know, do the research, calling, you know, the Colorado Division of Wildlife and talking to a biologist and, and you know, him telling me, you know, well, we stocked this lake eight years ago. I don't know. You know, go could, look. Yeah. yeah, go look and tell me what you find. And it's all about the adventure. So just somebody wanting me to come out with it. I, I don't I don't know. But I, some people find that as being a jerk online. I've, I've noticed that, too, that people get offended and act like they're entitled to it. I don't mean to say that sounding like a, a jerk either. But um, I mean, it's not no one's entitled to anything. Right. I mean, I, I emailed you and was like, I don't know if you're going to want to share this, but I just want to <laughs> check out. And you're like, I don't really want to. And it's not like I was like. Well, you just suck. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, understandable. Uh, let's like keep talking because yeah. like I, we obviously share similar interests. But yeah. um, it is weird to me when people get extremely offended as though because a place exists and someone knows about it, that everyone's entitled to know about it um, just by being told and not by looking it up. Yeah. And I don't know why that sentiment exists. And, you know, I also don't like people who like dangle carrots down in front of people just to be like na 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 like right not yeah gonna, but yeah i don't know i i don't know why that culture exists and it's there's like i don't know a weird interaction between the people who find things and are like trying to entice other people to ask just so they can shut them down and also the people who reach out and then are shocked when they're not told the location i just want a general location bro yeah and it's yeah. like okay this state yeah <laughs> colorado where where is this colorado that's yeah. what i always say but and it's like uh I'll post pictures, and if you can figure out where I'm at from a picture, I feel like that's then you deserve. It. Yeah, because <laughs> I've had plenty of people be like, "Holy cow, I know that peak, or I know this," and that's great because if you know that already, you already then know you it. appreciate it, and you know you'll appreciate it more. You know, um, you know that's fine. People want to blur out backgrounds and stuff. You know, I I get it, I guess. But if you can figure out, you know, where I'm at from a picture, more power to you. I think that's great. Well, and also if you are going to the lengths to look at pictures, to find something, you probably would have found it eventually anyway, just from scouring. Yeah. The, like you're obviously dedicated to finding right. it. And that's, I mean, the whole thing is scouring the internet. That's yeah. basically what this involves. Well, how many things are just spoon fed to us these days? How many things do you have to actually go out and try to find, do make an adventure of it? And I keep, I and mean, I've said it already, but 3000 lakes in Colorado, no, not all of them are going to have fish, but why not find out? But that's how what's many? exciting. Yeah. Is it like winter kill makes the other ones sweeter? Like the yeah. if you go up to one lake and it's winter killed, that just makes the next lake you go to that's not winter killed You're even like, better. Well, thank God, you know, I found <laughs> one that has fish in it. And, you know, not everybody is, you know, has the same mindset, but for me, you know, I just love you know, just like you're not knowing, yeah. you don't know, you know, and then you don't know what the weather is going to be like. You don't know. You don't know how hard it's actually going to be. How hard it's going to be. You don't know what to bring. If you brought enough clothes, is everything going to, you know, I took a trip a few years ago and my boots got wet and it was damp and we had, you know, a small fire every night. I couldn't dry my boots. My feet were wrecked for like four days. I could not get, you know, I could not get them to dry and it was miserable. And the fishing was you know, not good at all. You know, I caught maybe three or four fish in like four or five days, but it was a great trip. You I got a good it? story. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was so difficult. I'll never go back again, uh, but I'm glad I did it. It was yeah. off trail and it was the most beautiful location, you know, you could find and it was miserable and horrible, but I loved it. 
you yeah. know, because we did it and we tried it and well, now we know. <laughs> the other thing about the photos too is, you know, you'll see people, Not I haven't had this happen to me, but I've seen people in other comment sections on other photos being like, I know where this is. Oh, yeah. And it's like, first of all, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right. But also, um, if you know where it is, I'm not really worried about you going there because you already know where it is. Yeah. Like you're already aware of this place. Um, and that's that's why I find it funny when people blur out backgrounds because it'll be like blurring out a bridge on a river that everyone fishes, and it's like, oh, I know that bridge, and it's like, cool. Like you already, you obviously have already fished here then. Yeah. So the odds of you going back there are already very high just because yeah. you know someone caught a big fish there. Like you probably already knew there were big fish there. If, yeah. You know if you've been there. So, I again I I agree. I don't really view the photo scouring is that big an issue like if you're and, and that's only half the the difficulty is knowing where it is you can know where something is and it might be 40 miles back and yep. like congrats if you get back there yeah um and i've had people reach out after that that first golden trout trip and they're like i think i figured out where this is and they'll send a pin and i'm like you're right but like they're like i'm from connecticut i, I may try to come out <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay. yeah yeah good luck good luck uh, and i don't mean that in like a you know egotistical no. way it's just the odds of of someone traveling out here from uh, sea level and just randomly going up there are it, it's hard. Yeah, I mean it's hard for someone who hikes a lot and lives out here. I was going to so. say you hike way more than I do, and in way better shape. But we can still do it because we're you. I think we're our bodies are used to doing it every year. You yeah, know what I mean, and it's it's just going to be and again. I don't I don't mean it in like a derogatory way, but it's just knowing where it is is only a quarter of the struggle of actually doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people forget about that. Like just, there's a lot of places that I know about that I'd like to go to someday. And I look at it and I'm like, that's a pipe dream right now. Yeah. You know, I'm not actually going to go there. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and the people in Alaska can say the same thing. People in, you know, uh, Wyoming, Utah, you know, there's all, there's Rocky mountains and all these other mountains. And there's a ton of places, tons of places. And, there's people way better and way more, you know, extreme than I am at backpacking or more miles than me, you know. So I, I stick with what I can do and what I feel comfortable with. And, you know, I'm, I don't need a hard hat to hike over, <laughs> you know, some some needle ridge or whatever, you know. But it, it's just the adventure and just getting away, you know. It, it, I just love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Did I tell you about the guy who – um he like emailed me and what he wanted to know, I don't know if it was that spot. I think it was maybe that spot, but wanted to know where it was. And I, you know, we went back and forth and I was like, sorry, but, um, I was still trying to help him out. You know, I think I pointed him in the direction of some resources where he could maybe find another spot to catch him or something like that. And I, I tried to give him basically a, a diving off board to, yeah. to figure it out on his yep. own. And he got really upset really? And, and like did the email equivalent of like storming off. And yeah. I was like, that's fine. And then he, he replies and he's like, um, so I just bought this piece of private property and it's got this lake and there's 30 inch brown trout in there. And, um, anyway, so I just want to let you know, and he didn't, he didn't follow it up with anything, but I was like, I, is that a bribe? Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think that you're, what you're getting at is me being like, oh no, if I, if I don't tell him, maybe I won't get to access his private right? brown trout. Like, um, but I didn't like I didn't take the bait because I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Um. So I just responded with something like, "That's great. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to yeah. fish there." Um. And then he stormed off again, like uh, the email equivalent of storming off. Yeah. Um. And he came back multiple times, uh, essentially like demanding information. And I was like, "Dude, you're getting farther and farther away from me giving you any help for right. anything." You know, like start start a, a reasonable conversation with me and even if i'm not going to get like kind of like my first interaction with you yeah like even if you're not going to tell me where something is like we can just have a conversation and become friends and then maybe we'll be open to sharing information with each other and going fishing together and stuff like that like yep. you just have to think about you're talking to a stranger who has no reason to want to share anything with you yeah at all yeah you're just a random person on the internet um, think about how you're interacting with somebody and whether they have any reason to, to give you the time of day. Right. So like when I started out, I, I had a couple friends that knew of a couple spots, you know, that they heard from somebody else that they heard from. And so we would go there and I started getting on a fly fishing forum, you know, and start meeting like-minded people, you know, and meeting up, telling stories, trying to like 
figure out where things are. It's just, again, it's like organically growing friendships over the things that we love to do. It's not just fly fishing. It's the backpacking and fly fishing is like a whole new, there's a different group. It's a different genre, you know? Um, and I don't care like how old you are, what shape you are. You can, you start off doing it. You can do it, you know? And, and now over the years, you just grow friendships and meet people and, you know, talk to people and, you just share stories and that's how I kind of now find out of different places to go of sharing stories and, and doing that and still doing my own research. And I, like, like, like I said, half the fun is finding out yourself, you know, it's no fun just handed. Here's the spot. Here you go. What fun is that? You know, well, for some people that's what they want. Yeah. You know? They just want the, the fish at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the fun of a, like the the most fun is going somewhere not knowing there's like massive fish there. Yeah. And you get there and you're like, oh my God, look yeah. at that fish. Look at it. And like it's that like happened to us last inch. year. 24-inch, yeah. And it's just so exciting when you show up and you're like, they're here, you know? How did you um find, so not to completely switch gears, but um you mentioned it on the last one we did, the yellowfin. Like how did you come across the concept of a yellowfin and, and your kind of goal of maybe, you know, going out and seeing if there could be some sort of remnant population out there, which even if there's not, I mean, again, it's the fun of seeing. Like and searching. Looking. Yeah. So I've always been, speaking of the golden trout, of like, you know, thought to be extinct or rare type of fish. So doing that search, I came across the story of the greenback cutthroat trout. And I wrote an article for actually a magazine that's no longer around, unfortunately. But my first article was about a trip to Rocky Mountain National Park and catching the greenback cutthroat trout or what they thought was the greenback cutthroat trout. So that article was about the genetics and how they're not really sure, but they think it's the pure strain. And this was before the DNA came out. So now they're DNA testing and figured out that the greenback cutthroat trout they thought was the greenback is not the pure greenback. Um, they did find the pure greenback and are trying to reintroduce it to areas in Colorado. But in some of those articles, they talked about a yellowfin cutthroat trout. And I'm like, I've never heard of the yellowfin cutthroat. So I started researching the yellowfin, which was only in this area of Twin Lakes in Colorado. Um, and that's the only way, only place they were found. And they tried to have them in hatcheries and try to stock them for a good 20, 30 years from like 1890 to 1919, I believe they stocked them and they just were not taking and they were not doing well in the um, hatcheries and they stopped and they're thought to be extinct. Um, they're extinct out of twin lakes because the government came and stocked rainbow trout because that was, they thought that was a better fighting fish and to bring more revenue to the state, they stocked, Twin Lakes with rainbows, and it killed off both the greenback and the yellowfin cutthroat population, unfortunately. Um, so I actually have done a lot of research. I have the stocking for the yellowfin cutthroat trout in the early 1900s um, and know like where they might still be. Uh, I have yet to go. <laughs> I need to go. But there's a couple spots that are remote enough that are like smaller streams enough that there they, could be a couple in there that just yeah, no they could still to be find. naturally reproducing, you know, for sure. Um, they've been finding other varieties of cutthroats that they thought were extinct. They've been finding them every few years. There was that, uh, I think it was just a, I don't know what, how, um, much these things branch out, but you know, there's like cutthroats, the species and there's subspecies. And I think that's just like strains of the yes. subspecies. And mm -hmm. I, they found that uh, strain a couple of years ago. If I think the Colorado river cut, it was some special strain of the Colorado river cutthroat that was just found in a specific drainage. I think yep. that they thought was extinct and wasn't, yep. I don't know where they really draw the line between strains. Like, I don't think any, average person would know any difference if they just call well, right. I, mean, I can't I tell the subspecies apart yeah, when I yeah. catch them unless I just know what's supposed to be there but that's true <laughs> um do you think you'd you would know a yellowfin if you saw one I think so there's like an illustration of one and then there's a black and white picture of one dissected that they have at the Smithsonian so they still have one with DNA and everything they have its DNA so would you keep it if you caught one and you were like 
man, this this seems like <laughs> this seems like it's promising, but I need the DNA test, so I'm gonna smack it. So <laughs> what I'm gonna do before I take a trip is contact somebody and say what do you need for DNA testing? Like, can a you fin just clip or right? Something. Can you just clip the Oedipus fin or whatever? It, it you know what I mean? I think it's an adipose fin, Ad- not oh, an Oedipus. So- sorry, Oedipus. <laughs> sorry, I think that's so Wrong different. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. I think that you can cut that and just take that. So yeah, I have to figure that out. But you know, it's possible. I mean, they're finding these things, you know, here and there. So you never know. But it's the adventure and. This adventure might take, you know, four or five days of hiking up a small little stream and find nothing. Um, I mean, ideally, at least you'd catch something like right. catch catch other fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully there's a cutthroat, a different cutthroat in there, you know. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. What a shame that rainbows are w- like what was considered the preferable. I mean, <sighs> nothing against rainbows. I no, love rainbows. No, no, yeah, yeah. But, like... Man, we caught some shame. great rainbows last weekend. So, I was actually uh, telling yeah. you how much I like catching rainbows because yeah. I always catch browns. And a, a good wild rainbow with like a nice pink, like a deep pink, not not an iridescent thing, but like a deep yeah. pigmented pink. I love a good pink rainbow. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, man, what a shame to to think that these species were just considered, you know, a lesser species because they don't fight as hard as some random stalker rainbow that they want to throw in there. I know. Well, that um, could be a whole other podcast. You can get somebody on from the Department of Wildlife, you know, why they make the decision. I mean, back then they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. So you can't blame them. But, you know, now we know to try not to introduce, you know, non-native species into an area. You know, we know that now. But back then they didn't know. And it's a shame. It's horrible. Um but yeah, it happens. <laughs> it also makes you wonder how many of those. Like, I mean, these yellowfins were only in that one yeah. specific area. How many other species were in some very unique, like one or two lakes connected by, you know, a stream and probably in the connecting streams that disappeared before anyone ever really bothered to right. Look, I mean, I, I might just be making this up, but yeah, y- you'd think that. I, I think in my mind, when I think of a species, I think of a, like a wide range. Yeah, you know, the species is found from this state to this state. From Canada to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And then you hear about these species that exist in just a single waterway. Yeah. And you're like, that's crazy that they survived for that long. Yeah, the Ice Age, you know, they were put there during the Ice Age when the, that was receding. And I think it was the 1910 World's Fair that was in Paris, France. The guy who found the yellowfin in Twin Lakes, I think he sent eggs to France for the World's Fair. It was that big of a deal um, that it was like... Yeah, I even emailed some hatcheries in France. Bonjour. <laughs> yes. Uh, I even, you know, so, yeah, I've done a lot of research. So, you know, who knows? They might not be out there. They might be out there, but it's fun to. It, I, this is another one of those things where even if you were to go and not find them, just the adventure of looking for them and researching them, like that's most of the fun. Yeah. Finding one would be a nice icing on the cake, but um, it Again, it, it wouldn't be as fun as just being told there's some over here. Go catch them. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Like that's, that's the exactly. fun part. But man, I, yeah, this, those are so cool though. Those little isolated species. And yeah. to be their own, I guess not species, subspecies. Yeah. You know, they must have been there isolated for so long. That's just, it's just cool to think about. Yeah. And they could still be there. I mean, you know, we found golden trout that were there for, you know, 30, 40 years on their own and happens yeah there's no reason to think that the elephant's still not out there somewhere you know in one of these areas that they stocked so and i mean for all we know someone could have caught one and oh, like yeah. you wouldn't even think to wouldn't you know, even know to, when i catch a cutthroat my first thought isn't what kind of cutthroat is this is like oh cutthroat, That's a cutthroat. throw it yeah. back yeah um, i know people ask me like if i post pictures what kind of cutthroat is that i'm like i have no idea i don't know i'll Colorado look, I'll look River, up what's supposed to be here rio grande you know i, I likely don't know. a hybrid of a yeah, whole bunch hybrid of them. yeah i i don't know but yeah, the yellowfin is definitely unique. It has less spots, um, smaller spots, you know. So hopefully, if I you know do catch one, I'll be able to tell if it is or not. I mean, I assume it would have a bit of a yellowfin. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was something I was gonna say. Oh, the greenback. Um, yeah. I I don't know how many people I told over the years that they were catching greenbacks because I used to guide in 
Rocky oh, Mountain. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I know You're they part of the do. problem. I'm part of the problem, and that problem is still going on. Because there's, like, again, I mentioned the subreddit, fly fishing subreddit. There's so many people posts on there that were like, I caught a greenback at Rocky Mountain National Park. I mean, it's in all their literature. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't everywhere. really blame the anglers. No, 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 for sure. Um, and that's why I was spreading that info, and I know that the guides that I worked with are still spreading that info. And honestly, I don't know how much it really matters because most of the people no. going up there are going to go fish there once, yeah. have a great time, yeah. come back and tell In their family. beautiful area. It's yeah, gorgeous. Tell their families how much fun they had and yeah. be able to spout off that they caught a greenback. And it's not harming anything. No, not so, at all. So I don't really uh, blame anyone for being like, Good for you. You caught a greenback. <laughs> and like you said, the National Park advertises that. Yep. Like if you look in their brochure, it says, you know, greenback cutthroat, state fish to Colorado, barbless flies and lures only. Yep. Got to release them to the water. So why would you think that it's not that? Yeah. Um, I think I even told you that back in the day because you were like, oh, I haven't caught one yet. And yep. I was like, well, I, I did say that they're not pure, but I thought they were mostly pure. Right. I think it's maybe even come out since then that they're not even mostly pure. Like right. They might have a, so. yeah. a small percentage of greenback. Yeah. And I think I said something like, well, if it's 99%, I I count it. Right. As, and I don't think 99% They're is even They're beautiful. Close. They definitely look different than other cutthroats that I've caught. Really? In I, the lake, I think. In those lakes up there. I oh, think. the ones in Rocky Mountain? Yeah. and yeah. They get very blood red yeah, during yeah. spawning. And I've caught some other colored up cutthroats, but I feel like there's something different. Those ones almost look like they're just covered in blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, I took a trip to Arrowhead Lake in Rocky Mountain National Park. That's Yeah, I've seen some... Oh, I've been there, but the ones we caught weren't super red, but I've seen some pictures yeah, of them. Yeah, and they're just beautiful. They're just gorgeous in there. So, yeah, anybody catching those, but it's like, you know, people will get on them for, that's not a greenback, and I'm not trying to be elitist or anything. I'm just trying to inform people. Yeah, they, I mean, you know? I feel the same way. I'm like, I'd like to inform you, but I don't want to come across as being, yeah, being an a, asshole. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to ruin your day. I'm yeah. trying to let you know that if, if it's important to you to catch a pure greenback, like, this isn't it, but right. you know, you can go, you can go catch one elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. And it's, they're still beautiful in a beautiful area. So it doesn't really matter. It's just, yeah. <laughs> and again, you don't really know. I mean, like, we go, we go catch cutthroats and my first thought isn't, what is this? Cause I'm not probably not even going to figure it out, No, but you can look it up a lot of the time. And yeah. like I caught my, what I assume was my first pure greenback just again, based solely on location. Yeah. You just kind of have to trust that, CPW said they eradicated everything else and then right. stocked pure ones in. So, but they were also saying that about Rocky Mountain years ago. So, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And ten years from now, there's gonna be a different DNA test, and it'll be like, nope, these aren't it either. You are not you know? the father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think they've. I think they've kind of confirmed it now. That, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's cool because it sounds like I I thought there was only one location that they were, and then they added them to what I thought was one or two other locations, which I went to and caught one. But the sign there, I was surprised. They had like a, a billboard at the front that explained. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, we, we stocked the pure greenbacks in here, state fish, whatever. And they were like, and here's like seven other places we stocked them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I had no idea that there were this many spots because I've yeah. heard the same two spots was, basically. Yeah, since. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that was interesting. I, it sounds promising. Yeah, I hopefully it sticks. Hopefully they don't turn out to be like the yellowfin and, you know, hopefully they do better in hatcheries. Hopefully they do better in these areas they stocked. It sounds like it's still kind of volatile. Yeah. Like the first time they did it, they all died and yeah. they tried it again. And uh, I think that was maybe four years ago now. And they're, or okay. maybe the four years ago is one that failed. But I think they've survived one to two winters now. So I think they're assuming Healthier. that, yeah, the fish, they've made it two winters now. Yeah. They're going to actually make it. Hopefully. So that'd be, that'd be fun though if we can get some of those native fish back. I mean, you know, there's a thing to be said for these hatcheries. I mean, some people, you know, there's two sides to having yeah, hatcheries a, not going to get into that either but you know for something like this how else are you going to bring back a thought to be extinct fish well that's know? yeah and that's I mean, a completely different type of hatchery not a type of hatchery but people i feel like when they when they yell about hatcheries it's like i don't really like stalker rainbows being dumped into places either right but i fully support hatcheries going out and basically saving a species from extinction that was here all along like i think the one case, you were talking about from a few years ago wasn't there a fire that was going through that area. Yeah, Zimmerman Lake. No, no. different one. Not not the greenback cutthroat, oh. but a different the other cutthroat you were talking about. The others, oh yeah, yeah. There was a fire coming into that area. And people, they would like saved them. The, people hiked in as fast as they could and backpacked 
as much as many of them as they could out because the fire was coming through that area. Yeah. Because they knew that was like a rare strain of cutthroat. You know what I mean? So yeah, human intervention sometimes good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I mean I hear the most negativity about hatcheries in terms of like steelhead. Yeah. Where it's like these hatchery fish are polluting the wild genetics, but it's like in this case we don't really have wild genetics. Right. You know, yeah. That that's gone. So the only hope left is putting hatchery fish in. And I just feel like there's a there's a distinct difference between we made all these hatchery fish so anglers can go out and catch them and put a steelhead in their net versus right. we saved the species from going extinct. Like those right. are just two completely different sides of the coin. And the places that we love to go hike, these alpine lakes, there wasn't fish in there before. Which is so weird there because wasn't. it seems like so natural that they're full of fish. Right. And you if, then you realize. But you know why they really most of these areas got have fish in there? It's because of the miners. Oh, I didn't know that. These miners would stay up there because, you know, how many times have we hiked up areas and you see like an old busted up cabin, I mean, you know, from the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so these miners were living up there. So they would hike in these fish, put them in the lakes that they were near their mining areas. So they would have. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. So they would have, you know, food, you know, to eat. And this year, next year, the year after, however many years they're up there mining, that that lake that they're camped at a oh, personal fish. fish farm yeah so they hike them up there so we're kind of you know keeping that tradition on i guess by flying fish in and dropping them from the plane it's <laughs> it's so weird to think about because it, they seem so natural yeah like you would just assume and a lot of the i mean a lot of the streams had fish so yeah. you're like well the streams usually connect up to a lake at some point yeah. and you'd think that they'd all just be populated it's it's it almost ruins it like i i don't like to think <laughs> about the fact that these lakes used to be barren because i'm like yeah, these stalker fish. Right. <laughs> I <know. laughs> but I I am much more inclined to not look down on a stalker fish if it has held over. Yeah. You know, I don't want to catch a fish that got off the truck yesterday. Right. But I don't mind catching a stalker fish. Like that, that big rainbow that I caught yeah. a couple weeks ago when we fished. Yeah. I'm sure that was a stalked fish. Yeah. It came but it's down been there a up, long time. It came down or up from wherever it was yeah. stocked, you know. Um, but yeah. it wasn't stocked a, last week at, right. at the length of like 20 something inch. Like it was right. probably stocked smaller and you know, has made and it grew and you know there's a lot of talk about native wild you know hatchery stocked you know what it you know it all comes down to we just love going out to fish right. really you know at the end I of the mean, day i'm never going to turn down a fish exactly. i don't care what it is exactly if it's willing to exactly. take my fly i'm gonna really so in. much fun <laughs> especially on a fly rod you made yourself that's the <laughs> Bringing it all back around. <laughs> well, I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, we kind of just BS, but yeah. this is super fun. Yeah, because you know, just talked about what we enjoy doing in our spare time. And do you have any um, plans coming up? Like any end of summer trips or fall trips? And I, we took a trip a few weeks ago. I was like, between the three of us, we caught hundreds of fish in like three days. So that was great. We might take another one the weekend after um, Labor Day, but. Yeah, nothing else. Got to start hitting those rivers because I think it's supposed to snow this weekend up in the high country. Really? It's going to be the earliest snowfall ever I in like Colorado. Yeah, so I think it might start snowing up there already. So we got to start hitting the rivers and creeks again. So yeah, I have been meaning to like get out after work and just fish Clear Creek, but I'm like, it's like 90 every day. I know. Or by the time I get out there, hot. they're like the water's too warm. But well, that's another what reason why we're hiking or going to the you know a canyons or whatever is because. It's just been way too hot this year. Yeah. There's like the Colorado, the Yampa, their closing sections. and I think we're not in as bad a boat as some other states. I've heard no, Montana sure. and stuff is just like crazy Boiling. with closures and stuff. And we've had some, but it's it's like this stretch of this river. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I think we have enough access to high, high elevations that it's not yeah. a huge issue. So so we'll see. But no, nothing, nothing big. Hopefully next year we'll have a couple more than I did this year. But kind of feel the same way. Like I didn't. I haven't hit a an alpine lake yet this year. I, I told know. you. I know. I'm so disappointed. I've done. I've done a lot I of. I can't al- even talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot more rivers and stuff. Cut. We're done. <laughs> I, I checked my greenback off. That was my. Oh yeah, that was my goal right. this summer, and I did that. So I, I still got to get up there. You got to take me um, up there. You got to show I'm, me. I'm gonna hit. Uh, I I maybe bleep out the name, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna hit a creek this weekend that I told you about a couple weeks ago that I was just at. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So this weekend. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I haven't been hitting the lakes, which I feels like I'm kind of missing out on something, but yeah. I've done a, a, quite a bit more river fishing than I normally do, right. um, which yeah. has been kind of fun yep. because I, I, well, no, I wouldn't say I'm more confident on lakes than I am rivers because lakes are hit or miss like we yeah. talked about, but I feel like 
most of the lakes that I go to, it's pretty easy to dial it in pretty quickly and, yeah. and catch fish. And um, it's been nice to practice something different. So yeah. it's been good. Well, go to your Instagram and see what you caught last week. So I think I know, that'll do, hold me over for a while. I, I think you, I think you do pretty good <laughs> in the, in the, in the uh, rivers. Well, as I need well. a good netter. I need a new net. Oh yeah. She <laughs> lost her net and I did net it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but so check out Instagram. <laughs> All right. Well, um, why don't you plug yourself again? Because in case people skipped the, in case people aren't interested in rod building, oh, um, yeah, but yeah, might want to yeah. buy a rod or just find you on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at yellowfin rods or my website, yellowfinrods.com. Um, so I'll post like the pictures of trips I take on Instagram and the rods that I build on Instagram. And yeah, if you have any questions or want to go for a hike, hit me up. Sounds good. Yep. Well, Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawks cave oh that's awesome experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer don't miss thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.